Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Travis and Vic's Drunken Horror Adventures. Um, this is Travis. I am uh, happy to be here and drunk, I have to say. What's up, everybody? I'm Vic. I was drunk last night, and I'm drinking again tonight, and let's drink. So, you know, our serial killer quote of the day on our, our nice little app from uh, Johnny, who came on this show once upon a time, um, He it, it's funny. It was a Dahmer quote. So how how appropriate is that today that we're talking about the Milwaukee cannibal Jeffrey Dahmer, you know, a, a guy who – Really, I mean, when you talk about people like Bundy and Gacy, yeah, they existed during our lifetime, but we're talking about notoriety, Dahmer. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I've said it plenty of times before, and Dahmer is the he's the serial killer of our generation. And I think that's why, you know, you, you hear more about him. And, I mean, people people fear the things that Dahmer did. And it's because we lived through it. You know, we, we saw the news clippings. We, we've we seen him get murdered. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it, it was one of those things where I remember it being on the news and things like that. And that will be some things that we get into for sure. Um, once upon a time, Vic, here a few months ago, we uh, ran a poll. And the poll, of course, was, you know, which serial killer should we talk about on such and such date? And, you know, uh, there were really only two people that were at the top, and it was Bundy, and it was Dahmer. And, you know, these are two guys who were right up there with the most notorious, and, you know, we determined that Bundy was trying to, or that Bundy was probably the most notorious in United States history. But, you know, Dahmer's got to be right there with Casey, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd put them definitely uh, one, two, three, and, I mean, Gacy and Dahmer are right there neck and neck, in my opinion. Uh, I don't know how how you couldn't even think that. I mean, and some of the things that Dahmer did, I mean, like, he was just a sick man. He was, and kind of like Bundy, there's really no no good reason for it. You know what I mean? There wasn't any big event in his life that triggered this thing, and you know, those are some those are some things we'll definitely get into later. By the way, our buddy R.J. Harris will be calling from Florida. So if you see a Florida number, you know who it is. Um, <clears throat> now, uh, some things to talk about real quick. You know, Dahmer was a guy who obviously was known as the Milwaukee Cannibal. And Vic, I believe this is our first cannibal we've talked about. We can speculate, speculate about Ed Gein all we want, but we know for a fact Dahmer was a cannibal. So technically, he is our first one. Yes, sir. I mean, and you know, I feel like it's a milestone in uh, Travis and Vince Drunken Horror Adventures history, man. I mean, well, we had a vampire. I mean, you know, people that considered her a vampire, even though obviously, you know, she wasn't with Elizabeth Bathory. We've got a cannibal now. You know, we had somebody that posed bodies. We had the lady killer. We've had the killer clown. 
Uh, I mean, we had H.H. H. Holmes. Uh, we're really, we're really turning these bad boys out. But you know, Dahmer. When we started this thing, and you, you had to know Dahmer was coming, and we get it on Thanksgiving week. How appropriate! Yes, and I mean, this isn't a coincidence. This is something that, hey, Travis Kennedy one day is like, you know, Dahmer Thanksgiving. It all makes sense. So here we are, Thanksgiving week. We're talking about a real true blood feast. So I'm sitting here with um, Dahmer's stats in front of me and his his timeline. And, of course, you know, my good buddies at the Department of Psychology at Radford University in Radford, Virginia, put this bad boy together. And, you know, it's pretty damn um, extensive, I just have to say. We're talking about eight pages worth of stuff on Dahmer. And, you know, you know things really began for him, I guess. You know, uh, it, it, it's really hard to pinpoint, I guess, whenever this, this shit started with him but it sounds like when he was a kid it's not so much that he would like torture animals because that that seems to be not the thing for him but he was definitely obsessed with their dead bodies or death in general yeah so in the uh when i watched his interview earlier he said that um he was just fascinated with the insides of the dead animals and whenever he went to ninth grade he um he would like in biology they would dissect animals or whatever, and he would like take the skeletons home, and it you no know, he he like he just like killing animals, and then that love grew into wanting to kill people. You know, um, along those lines, when he was twenty three years old, Vic, I don't know if you know this or not, but he actually worked at a plasma center in Milwaukee, and uh, he took home a vial of blood, and then he drank it. And he never tried it again, so I guess blood doesn't taste that good, at least to a, um, the Milwaukee cannibal, the man that worked at a chocolate factory. Blood a little bit too salty for him, I assume. That's pretty awesome, actually. And one of the things that we actually have in, uh, in, in common with Mr. Dahmer is uh, he liked to drink quite a bit. In fact, that was one of the reasons why he was kicked out of the military it was uh, his excessive drunkenness and he uh, he's had a he had a few run-ins like at the Wisconsin State Fair for drunken disorderly conduct and fined fifty dollars for it. But I mean, if you look throughout his history, um, alcohol remains one of the uh, pervasive things in Dahmer's life, especially later on. He started drinking when he was like thirteen. Hey, Travis, we uh we now have a call in from Florida, so I'm assuming this is our yes, guest. we do. What is up, Art? How you doing, sir? Hey, Travis, and it's Vic. I haven't met you yet. You know, it, 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 it's it's very good to have you. Um, so we talked the other day, and of course, you know, people weren't privy to that conversation. But since that time, I've gotten to kind of, you know, look over uh, the story of Adam Walsh a little bit more in detail. And cool. we're going to get into that for sure. But, you know, before we do all that, can you kind of introduce yourself to the people that, you know, that are listening, maybe aren't familiar with you? Okay. No one, not not everyone's familiar with me. That's that's really, no, it's <laughs> not a good way to start Okay, I am Arthur J. Harris. You may call me Art, as you already have. That Arthur J. Harris is my authorial name, as well as my full given name. And I am a true crime writer from Florida. I've written five books, including two about Adam Walsh, which turned, turned into a set of books about Jeffrey Dahmer, which was as we discussed, uh, not the original intent, but I came to learn a 
great deal about Dahmer. First, um, my books are very research heavy. This is journalism. This isn't speculation. This, this is stuff that in these books that you uh, generally don't know about these cases, including stuff about Dahmer that you have, unless you know what I put out, you do not know this material. It's not, it's not just you know, cribbed from somebody else and you know, on the Internet and, and the same old stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, that is that is the sort of work I do. I do know the work, the the cases that I take on. Um, there are they are homicides, or um, um, I look at the police and prosecutorial cases and see if they pass. You know, if they if they did everything right and. Um, uh, Likely is not. Um, there are serious flaws in the in the way that these cases were investigated, and I am basically looking looking over, and um, I get the actual public records that were produced by police and prosecutors, no prosecutors, especially in this case, because uh, it didn't go to trial, and and then I lo- I you know, do my own investigation on top of that. You know, can you kind of talk about what what got you into the the true crime portion of it and how it kind of turned into more than just, you know, um, reporting on true crime, writing about true crime, but, I mean, really investigating and trying to figure out things that nobody else had? Um, Well, I've been a journalist all career, and um, I've, for reasons poorly explained, I I like it down here in southern Florida. Um, Yeah. I suppose it's our five really good months of weather, as opposed to the seven rest of the year no, months of weather. And uh, to be here in the 80s and 90s was, if you're looking for something to write about, that you know, crime was the thing to, to do. And uh, I'm still stuck in the 80s for, for my cases. They are, they've just taken this long to, um, to get as far deeply into them as, as I have. There are fascinating cases here. This is just a, this is also a great state for public, public records. Um, you can get them, you can ask for them by statute, and if you, and then when you know how to work the public records racket, then you, uh, you can get them. And uh, so that's, uh, that, that plus that an awful lot of my friends here are, are lawyers and criminal attorneys and and stuff. So I learned, I learned the criminal law and the criminal procedure, and um, certainly could have gone to law school. But I decided, I think correctly, not to have done that. Um, it's the stories are interesting. The um, the legal procedure and all that is really stressful and really not that it's it's can be lucrative or cannot be, and it's it's hard. That's that's it takes away. No, the, the the fun, most of the fun, I think, of of just getting the story and investigating and and then seeing seeing what the what the real story might be, rather than what it what it was decided on by police and prosecutors. And often enough, and and those are the really deep cases, the the ones that take a long time, and and have been investigated by the authorities for years and years. And, because they were hard, they were really they were really difficult cases. 
know, the regular old case is one thing. You know, this is where the system gets stressed. Now, I want to see the system under stress, you know, how well it performs or how not well it performs. You bring up a great point, or so many great points there, and um, I guess it would probably, you know, lead us in properly to the uh, Adam Walsh case. This is, you know, something, maybe if you're outside of Florida, maybe you're not familiar with it, so if you could introduce us, you know, to that case and maybe, you know, um, kind of uh, drew your attention to that and and then kind of move forward with the story is however you want to tell it, of course. Okay. All right. Adam Walsh in 1981 in the in the summer was six years old, six and a half, and living in the suburbs with his parents, um, one of whom became quite famous in the you know af- after that. They, you know his parents were John and Rave Walsh. Um, Adam was a cute little six-year-old and. Uh, that summer day, his mom um, said that she took him to the Sears, which was the closest store in the shopping mall, very you know, near, you know, five-minute drive from, from where they lived in, in their home. And um, uh, they passed the video game display in Sears. That was, that was a new and very hot thing at the time. And um, the kid wanted to play there, and... Mom wanted to shop for a lamp and said, I'll be back in just a couple of minutes, five or so minutes. And in when, and she, as she told the story later, she said um, five or so minutes later, she came back and the child is not there. And uh, when she looked through the surrounding areas, the rest of the store and then the mall, uh, child's still not there. So she asked for assistance and then eventually called the police and called um called her husband and um, and others, other friends and and stuff, and they were looking for him and they and they didn't never found him at or near the mall. So that's 1981. Two weeks later, to the day, um, two fishermen in a canal about 125 miles north of here. This is Hollywood, Florida, which, by the way, I had you no. Know, Three years earlier, I was working for the newspaper, the daily paper in Hollywood, Florida. It's, it's between Miami and Fort Lauderdale. And there's two fishermen found a child's severed head floating. And they call the authorities. And um, mean, no, in those two weeks, um, the big media story, the community is searching for the child. Every day, the top of the news is, is Adam Walsh and no clues, bad clues, worthless clues, and then a child's head is found. Um, that was in the evening on that on that Monday. Um, they take the police there in a different county, um, take the remains to the medical examiner's office, and the next morning the medical examiner makes a positive identification that that is Adam Walsh. Um, I will return to that part in a in a little bit, but that is. That's the overview, and then, and then in the um, desperation and in, in, in the emotion um, of that moment, I mean, what worse can happen to parents? Uh, not only that the child goes missing, but then it's such, you know, this, the violence of that kind of homicide is just, you no, know, it's unspeakable, and it's, 
no, no. It, there, there wasn't anyone, no, who, who wouldn't be feeling for those parents. So they, um, the Walshes, both of them, um, became advocates for uh, changing the system to help find ch- uh, children who go missing. And then and, um, all sorts of legislation, both statewide and, and, and federal-wide, was changed um, from the lobbying effort that John and Rebe had, had done. And then a few years later, John becomes, you know, has become such a public figure and is on TV all the time. He is, was asked to be the uh, show host for a new Fox show called America's Most Wanted. And then he did that for any number of years afterwards and is still on television doing a show that's, that's uh, by a different name and is kind of the same show. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when I was watching the YouTube series, you know, uh, I, I don't think it really clicked with a lot of people who, you know, the Walshes were. So I'm glad you, you kind of went over that fact. And, you know, something that we talked about before the show even started is that, you know, it, it, he hasn't come out lately to talk about it or to talk too much about, you know, your findings in this whole thing. So just FYI for everybody and anything you want to talk about it, about that, you can definitely do that. But you talked about the medical uh, examiner's report. I don't know if you want to continue right there sure. or if you want to talk, you know, if you want to start somewhere else. But um, that's one of the things that definitely intrigued me about, you know, uh, your investigation. There was th- – this case um, was never – was never brought to trial. No one was ever tried for the murder of Adam Walsh. This is now 34 years later. And in 2008, um, the police in Hollywood, Florida, um, held a press conference, you know, and the Walshes were present, and they announced the closure of the case. Um, they closed it against a dead man named Otis Toole, and he's kind of a famous guy in serial killer lore as the partner of Henry Lee Lucas, who's now somewhat a little bit more famous. And mm-hmm. um, um, I was at that press conference because uh, I had been you now involved in reporting the story, you know, up up to up to then. And the police chief, who had just taken over a year earlier, was asked whether there was any new evidence in the then 25 years after um, a tool had been investigated and, and had given a statement you know, you know, admitting to the murder in 1983, was there any new evidence since then? And the answer was no, there wasn't. In 1983, Tool had, um, this is right around the time when the first Adam Walsh television movie airs on NBC. And he, and Walsh, uh, Tool was in jail in Jacksonville, Florida, and um, um, he's in the process of admitting to and um, staying your seat on this. There's literally 500 murders. Um, there may have been more. It may have been a thousand. I may, I may be. No, no one really kept a great count. There's just a couple of estimates, and uh, police from any number of jurisdictions were lining up at the jailhouse door to speak to Tool. And then in Texas, where Henry Lee Lucas was was in custody, he was doing the same thing. So it took a little while for police 
to finally get that they they were being had. Um, one of those murders that he had admitted, that Tool admitted to, was Adam Walsh's. He said that he was here in Southern Florida at the time, and he had lured the child into his car with um, uh, candy or or the promise of candy, and uh, and then on his way, you know, in the car, where the child is is yelling and and stuff. Um, that he, he killed him he, and then chopped off his head and, and stuff. Well, in 1983, when the police are listening to this and taking tape statements, then um, they, at some point they stopped. If, if, they, if they were believing him at any point, they stopped believing him in 1983. And then when the, when the case files became public record and you could see all of the interviews that were, that were done, you could see that Tool was kind of pumping the detectives for information, which is not the way it's supposed to work. And Tool um, was given the opportunity to to um, answer questions and um, didn't answer anything correctly. Um, got nothing, and and the and the detectives kept giving him piece by piece of the story. I would, um, my look at it was that, well, maybe he, you know, if he killed 500 people, maybe he just didn't remember this one. So if you give him a little bit of case information and a little bit more, then he'll come up and he, and if he, and he can vindicate himself by saying something that would, was absolutely not given to him and only the killer would have known. And it wasn't out in the press and he couldn't have known it any other way except being the killer of Adam Walsh. Well, he never came forward with any information remotely like that. So they they dropped him as a suspect by 1984, and this is after um, months and months of really intense investigation to, to check anything at all the wild things that he said, and that um, after he was shown pictures, you no, know, of the child, you know, the first time he saw the child, he says, no, it's not the child. Then when they showed it to him again, he sort of got the idea. Oh, well, maybe that's the child. Maybe I should say that, you know, that's the child. That's him. They showed him the crime scene where the child's head was found. They showed him the mile marker on the Florida Turnpike where near it. And then so when they took him on a trip from the mall to the to the hundred and something miles north. So he kind of was warming up to like, oh, yeah, now I remember this. It was all very ridiculous, and and in '84 they they uh, put out statements to the press that you know you know we don't know we're, we're it's not that we're saying that he didn't do it but we're we're not considering him as a an important suspect anymore. And then in 2008, you know, on that same information with nothing new, Tula died in 1996 in jail in prison, and he and there's nothing no. The, the chief holds a press conference and say, it's Otis Tool. We're closing the case. And that was it. And meanwhile, I had reported beginning in 2006 that there was a different suspect who was uh, more compelling. It was more evidence. And that was your friend, Jeffrey Dahmer. So the first thing to know about Dahmer is that he was here at the time. 
when Adam Walsh disappeared. Jeffrey Dahmer was, was here in southern Florida. He was in Dade County, um, about by the police estimate, 15 minutes by vehicle from the shopping mall in Hollywood where Adam was last seen. So that's number one. Dahmer admitted as such when he was captured in 91, which is 10 years after the 81 um, no, abduction of, of Adam Walsh. And um, what the police never, never knew until I showed it to them, or shall I say an ABC news producer who I'd given, given it to, showed it to them, was a police report in, uh, in, in Dade County with, with Dahmer's name on it. Um, it was dated 20 days before Adam disappeared. And it was of Jeff Dahmer um, discovering behind, in the alley behind where he worked, next to the dumpster, a dead body. So I ask you, Travis, um, um, I already asked you, but I'll ask you again. Have you, have you, ever, have, have you ever found a dead body? No, I have not. Okay, you're sure about that. Okay, if if you if you if if that ever happens to you, now even advancing to in your mind to the age of dementia, do you think that you would ever forget that? No, I can't imagine that I would. I would say that that would be pretty pretty shocking for the usual person. It's one thing even to see a dead body, even at in a funeral setting. Um, but to find an abandoned dead body, you know, on the ground, and that was that. That's you know, that's what Jeff Dahmer is you know, reporting to police 20 days before Adam. Now this is this is bad luck. You know, I mean, I mean, bad things seem to happen around Jeff Dahmer. But when Jeff in '91 is captured in Milwaukee, he was asked to list. Now all the murders he had participated in. Now all this. Now just give us a full, you no know, biography of of you, Jeff. You know everywhere you've been. You know all the things of note. You no, know, we'll we'll be listening. We're writing this down. And Jeff, um, you now maybe it was because he didn't just kill 17 people. Maybe he killed 170 people or something. Who knows? Um, he did not recall for the Milwaukee police detectives anything about finding a dead body in Miami, Florida. Would you consider that an oversight? No, or maybe Jeff was trying not to say anything about that. I would consider it the same thing I would with anybody else in his position. I consider it him being full of shit, to be honest with you. Well, thank you. Okay. So my next question is, and this is sort of a symbolic hypothetical, um, do leopards change their spots? No, and you know that is one of the things that people would argue about and argue about to the dying day. But I'm telling you, these, these guys are what they are. Okay, so Jeff Dahmer, according to pretty much everyone who knew him, growing up with him, um, even his father, you know, especially his father, you no, know, and people who work with him, and people who were in the army with him. I'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, was considered to be quite the liar. But when he was captured, caged, shall we say, like the leopard, then the leopard changed his spots and suddenly told all the truth, nothing but the truth, and was believed by the Milwaukee police 
and the Milwaukee County prosecutor, and then everybody else who's read the Jeff Dahmer story, that that uh, he dumped out everything he did. That is it. There's nothing else about Jeff Dahmer that that no, because he didn't he didn't admit to it, and I think that he invoked Jesus or whatever he did. That um, uh, and therefore we should all believe uh, Jeff Dahmer. Case closed. It was, is that is that a fair thing? And that's what they expect us to believe. Absolutely. That's right. That's right. So there could well be any number of other Jeff Dahmer murders out there or horrendous things. And and I bring you that one of them is the is Adam Walsh. The kidnapping of Adam Walsh. Now the so I have him in proximity twenty days before fifteen to twenty minutes by vehicle, which he um, said he didn't have a vehicle from that from that shopping mall. Um, Jeff was asked whether regarding Adam Walsh, he knew about the case. He said at the time he remembered there being posters up in you no know, you no know, when when the child was missing, but no, he had been he had hadn't been to Broward County, which is where Hollywood is, and he. Um, uh, he did not, he did not take, um, he didn't, since he didn't have his own car, he didn't take, uh, um, he didn't take Adam Walsh. He had nothing to do with that. So the problem with that, once the case, the case file was opened in two steps. First time it was in 1996 when a, a journalist from Mobile, Alabama had initiated through his research a uh, public records request that that wound through the courts, and the case was statutorily def- uh, defined, uh, ruled by a uh, county judge here, as it was eligible for public release, even though the police were not thrilled about that. So there were in that in that file, and I and I got a copy of it. Um, very soon after it was initially released, and that was and that was a big news story for two weeks in down here. Um, uh, there were two witnesses in there who said that they had seen Jeffrey Dahmer at the shopping mall. One of them said he saw a man he thought was Dahmer throw a child he thought was Adam into a blue van now in the fire lane outside Sears, with, and and then screech away. And this this man was just shocked by like, you know, how do you how do you treat a child like that? You know, this he just you no know, just you no know, regular shopping day, you know, Monday afternoon at Sears. Second witness was a man who who Dahmer he said Dahmer approached him, not at Sears but at a store not terribly far from there. And Dahmer, you know, comes at him drunk and disheveled and, you know, starts, you know, chatting with him. Hi there, nice day, isn't it? And Dahmer, with his ice-cold eyes, was, this was a scary thing for, for this man who is, um, has an artificial leg, so it wasn't like he could sprint away. And, find, and trying to ignore someone from arm's length distance talking to you is also not an easy thing to do. And finally, after whatever number of seconds, let's say it was 30, um, um, 
the man he, who he said was Dahmer turned away. No, and and then he thought that this witness said he followed the man Dahmer at a safe distance and saw him walk into the Sears store. And then at that point he thought, no, I think I need to get out of here because of this guy, you know, doubles back and I'm in trouble. So those were two very compelling witnesses who said they saw Dahmer at the mall that day, right around the time that Adam, Adam disappears. Um, police were not that thrilled to speak to them. They did, they, it did take statements from the, the, the second guy that took him three months to actually sit down and they, they did a statement. And then they, they did their investigation and said, no, we don't believe, you know, that just doesn't make any sense to us. And, and this is, um, one of the, this is, this, they had come forward, um, just after Dahmer was arrested in Milwaukee, one of them is a printer at the was a printer at the Miami Herald, and he saw the early edition of the Herald off the press, and in the, and the first day story about Dahmer in the Miami Herald was a, had a thumbnail of of Dahmer was inside the paper, and this man freaks out says that's the guy. Remember, you know, ten years earlier, told you know, all the all his friends who were still there. Now that I told you, I saw this, I saw somebody. You know, somebody approached me at the shopping mall that day, and this is the guy, and it was Jeffrey Dahmer. So they, so again, the police, not interested. In 2008, when the, when the rest of the file is open because the Hollywood police chief closed the case, and now the, the remaining 12 years of, of, uh, of stuff is in there, then I get a copy immediately and, and start looking through, and I find five more witnesses in the police files who, who when I spoke to them, you know, all you know, identified the person that they had seen at the mall at that time as Jeffrey Dahmer. So that made seven. That was pretty compelling to the police who now are on the record saying that it's, it's out of tool are really not interested in, in Jeffrey Dahmer at that point. That was the, they had closed the case um, a year, well the, well, the new police chief came in three months after I had a story on ABC primetime. And, uh, and that was you know, embarrassing to the police, you know, national television. I'd, also, I'd, I'd broken the story in print in, in 2006. In beginning of 2007, I was all over you know, all, all the great talk shows, the Anderson Coopers and the Nancy Graces and the and and all that all that stuff so that was um so the story is out is there you can see most of that on the internet and mm -hmm. they um so all all these witnesses are are this are saying you no know, agreeing with the first two and you know it that's very compelling there were there were two weak witnesses for Otis tool now maybe I've got seven weak witnesses for Jeffrey Dahmer, but that there's there's seven. I'm, I'm winning seven to two here, and even even if I'm wrong, then it's it was worth it was worth investigating, and police didn't do it. the The blue van was another another hit. The police were initially looking had a witness who told them they saw a uh, a man take Adam from a blue and and scoot away in a blue van. 
<clears throat> where Jeff worked in what's what's the, now the town of Sunny Isles in, in the north part of Dade County on the beach. Um, it was a sub shop, and the um, I found the, it was no longer around. You no, know, by 1991, much less in 2002 when I first was looking for it, and they. Um, um, I, I did find one person who who knew about it and was it had been a, a, a part owner of it, and then that woman I was very lucky, you know, got me, and then I eventually found four people who remembered Jeff Dahmer working at that, that store, eight people who remembered that there was a blue van for delivering pizza. It was a no sub and pizza shop, so blue van, you know, seven witnesses who saw Dahmer. Um, there's a found head is no is no and and Jeff had eleven no severed heads in his apartment in Milwaukee. Now, is that like nothing? Is, is that is that like now getting like you know maybe if it's not definitive, but maybe it's worth some investigation? Does that sound yeah. good to you? And and before we get into how inept the. Uh... Well, the people involved in this whole thing are. I, I did want to ask you about that because you talked about the, you know, the severed heads, and of course, uh, the, the severed head that was found. Before we get into all these different parties that were, quite frankly, inept, um, can can you talk or, a little or, bit or about other. this situation as it relates to Dahmer's mo? You've touched on one thing there. Can you can you elaborate a little bit more for people that maybe are novices about Dahmer and and you know the parallels here? Jeff, I learned through Jeff's roommate in the army in Germany, where Jeff had been stationed um, for um, through March of '81 until they finally threw him out of the army, threw his you know, butt out of out of out of there. Um, um, it's it's not a happy story from from the roommate. It's um, it was a story of, of torture and being locked in the room and drugged and raped and and beaten and stabbed and operated on because they were they were both in a in a uh, medical unit and no one no one no listening to this the the man who was the victim. So among um, among other things in. Germany, while Jeff was stationed there, it was reported that there were um, a, a series of unsolved mutilation murders that, when I mapped them, were about 50, 50 mile radius from from the base. Um, the, uh, the the prosecutors in Germany said there were nine. There were the the press said uh, four, and then. Um, I did some further research in, in German newspapers with with assistance, and found uh, about a dozen in there. So um, Jeff would come back; he w- he would disappear on weekends, and come back on uh, at least five occasions with blood on his uh, on his clothes and um, clothes torn and ripped, um, and um, and, and otherwise, and, and the skin, you know, skin mangled and stuff. And one occasion, um, his there was so much blood on his torso that when Jeff took off his shirt, that the blood stuck to his 
to his chest and ripped off a lot of skin. There were um, six-inch um, hunting knives that Jeff kept in his locker, and there and this and the roommate would find blood and mucus on them. Um, the roommate didn't know what was going on at, at the time, except it didn't it didn't look good. It it was it it was no. The roommate was trying to survive. He did survive, and um, so there there are possible murders of by the way not just not just younger boys but women too in in germany um as for children um jeff has a an arrest in 1982 in milwaukee county for masturbating in front of of 12 and 13 year olds now two kids um in in germany there now on two occasions the military police brought jeff back to their room and found him with his you know, pants down one time. They, you know, his pants were down the whole time, when, even when they brought him back to the room. And he, was, he had been masturbating in front of, of children of you no know, younger age, you know, whatever it was. So, yeah, so there was, there, was, there was some memo in there that suggested children and, um, a, and not just the, the MO of when, when people say that Jeff's M.O. didn't include six-year-old boys. You know, if they were 12, maybe. But Jeff's M.O. is what Jeff said his M.O. is. And then everybody decides that, oh, that must be what it is. So there's actually more than that. So there, there, are, there are similarities there, and certainly the collection of, of heads and other, and other body parts in his apartment um, is, is highly suggestive. That was not continues not to be a nor a regular thing to to find severed heads, much less collect them. Now, of course, Jeff in 1981 isn't set up in in an apartment in a permanent apartment the way he was in 91. So he may whatever with the heads. There's um, no it, it was it was 10 years before. You know you can't. You know, maybe he kept it for a while and then and then needed to dispose of it. And he's got access to a to a blue delivery van, which which everyone, I, the eight people I spoke to said, oh, that that van would disappear, you know, overnight. You know, there was no you didn't have to sign it out. You just took it. The keys were over here on a nail. You just grabbed it. No, nobody really cared about, you know, as long as the van eventually came back, that was fine. Um, that van was. No, was available. That was that was Jeff's vehicle. No, and and anybody else's vehicle. That gives a and and by the by the canal off the turnpike where the head was found, there were two drivers for public supermarkets who told police that they had seen a blue van off by the side of the road and somebody down you no know, close. No, closer to the water. This was like midnight on two two days, basically before they before the head was found. So all of these, there's there's a lot there's a lot of evidence. I've documented everything I have in the books, and there and and it's it's good. It's really good. It's it's worthy. It's certainly worthy of further investigation and official investigation, shall we say, and. Um, but they but 
the police were literally not interested. They, they were never interested. I showed it to them at various times. I gave them a list of the, of the people who knew Dahmer and knew of the blue van and, and gave them all the phone numbers. And they called two people, the two people who, who knew Dahmer but, didn't, but were, didn't, didn't actually remember the blue van or, or no. And those are the two people they called, and they said, "Ah, well, uh, we it's it's unfounded, and we're we're closing closing this out." You know, it's great you made the connections, and, and then you quickly transitioned to <laughs> the fact that they're just okay. Look, I know police departments get a lot of quacks coming in with crazy leads and things like that. This is the crazy showing lead. them. Right, and you're showing them all these things, and they're just ignoring it. So I guess now's the uh, a great time for you to talk about <laughs> just how blind the police were to the investigation, and of course the medical examiner too, because that was one of the most interesting things to me. The 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 blindness, it's sort of a, the, the willful blindness. It it mm-hmm. seems like I'm, I mean, I mean, there's, I mean, I I can't I can't explain it in in logical terms except that. Um, I do know that police really want to solve their own cases. They don't want they don't want journalists and true crime writers to to solve their their you know their biggest cases ever. So the after after the after the case is closed in 08, and I'm spending time with the with the new materials and and doing all these interviews of people who who had who had seen something and somebody at the mall at the time and now I've got their names and I run them all down and it's and it's just fascinating and I had made a phone call on the morning after the that press conference to the county medical examiner's office because now that file is going to be public record too it's all this stuff has been closed has been it's not been not been public record while the case was still um, active no, actively investigated, which I would argue statutorily it wasn't. So they, um, um, I get no call back, and I, I was too busy doing some other stuff. So a year later, there's there was reason for me to call them back. So I call the clerks, the the records person at the Broward County Medical Examiner. Says. Um, I'd, I'd like to see the case file for the Adam Walsh file, please. Um, um, it's um, uh, missing. The biggest case file, the biggest case in the county's history, and you're saying that the case file is missing. Uh, yeah, yeah, after the uh, chief investigator died uh, two years ago, uh, I, we really don't know where it is. Oh, okay. So then I get a call back a week later. Oh, we found the file. Oh, good. May I come and see it? Yes, you may, anytime you'd like. So I come in the next day. And um, um, the chief medical examiner at the time was a famous guy on the Nancy Grace show, whose name is Dr. Josh Perper, um, allows me to see the case file. And then, you know, an hour later, no, he, he took a meeting. An hour later, he comes in, you know, ask questions, what's going on, you know, what are you looking for? Dr. Perper, um, I can't find the autopsy report. So the one thing that a, that a medical examiner's case file should have is the autopsy report. There is a, 
a cover sheet for it, which, which explains how the body came to the medical examiner's office, which was the, the, the afternoon after it was found in the canal. It had first gone to the medical examiner's office up in the county closest to where that had happened. But that, but that was a small town place, and, and they didn't want to do the autopsy, and they had arra- previous arrangements in such instances for the Broward medical examiner to do those autopsies. So with the proper paperwork and, and clearance, the, they um, helicoptered the head down, and it comes to Fort Lauderdale in the afternoon. And on the cover sheet, it says it arrived. An autopsy was performed at 4 o'clock on that day, and it says it, who, who did the autopsy was the chief medical examiner. And, and then um, Dr. Perper um, Where's the rest of the report? You know, like, you know, the results of the report. You know, the like the results of the external examination, the internal examination, the autopsy findings, and the signature by the by by the doctor who performed the autopsy. And he looks and says, uh, "It's not there." He says, "You know, uh, this is this was before I got here," which is true. It was. But as the medical examiner, he was the custodian of records, so he is responsible for everything in all the records. And this, this autopsy report in the case file was not there. And then it wasn't, I came to realize, it wasn't in the, in the police file. It wasn't in the file of the medical examiner you know, up, upstate where, where that it first received the remains. And nor was it at the state attorney's office. Nobody had it. So I put that in the Miami Herald next, in, in a larger Sunday story on a front page that questioned whether it was maybe, maybe, the, maybe the killer of Adam was, was Dahmer and not Tool, but I've got the sidebar of missing autopsy report. So that, that gets no, no particular rise from, from anybody. And the... Um, I figured out a a way to ask the chief medical examiner at the time whether he may have kept a copy. Because when I and the reporter from the Miami Herald I was working with, we had both separately called this man. He hung up on us. No, that that wasn't very encouraging. No, didn't speak more in the second... Second time, the only quote we got, you know, this guy, this is a, a reporter from the Miami Herald, and calling you to ask you about the Adam Walsh case, and the quote was, "Hmm, that's the that's the full quote. <laughs> nothing, nothing, <laughs> nothing past that. Nothing more than that." Then, then he hung up. So, <clears throat> I got him on the record through a public records request to the to the Broward Medical Examiner because if uh, he, on my request for the autopsy report, because it was missing from the file, he was a, the medical examiner was obliged to um, to obtain it if he could. And my first, and I said, well, you know, maybe the chief medical examiner did the autopsy. Maybe he's got a copy. Well, then he could get a copy that the the current medical examiner, then current, could get it from the previous medical examiner, restored to the file, and then. Give me a copy. Okay. So the the former 
the, the original chief medical examiner emails him back and says, uh, neither I nor anyone else in the office did a report on the head of Adam Walsh. No, it wasn't our, it wasn't our case. He's the guy, statutorily, the, the guy who does the dissection, which is what was done in, in Broward, is the guy who writes the autopsy report, not the guy who does the, the, out, the exterior inspection, which was done in, in um, Indian River County, which is upstate. So, like, oh, okay, well, that, and, and everyone I show this to says, this, that makes no sense. So that's, um, so, I, so apparently so, there was never any report written on the autopsy of Adam Walsh. Certainly wasn't writ- written in Indian River County. And no one, again, the police and the state attorney, nobody seemed to care, even though, even though the, the, um, the medical examiner who originally you know, had seen the, the, the case in Indian River County was kind of miffed that he never got a copy of the report. So that's, um, that's not there. But I'm able to put together between the, the remaining stuff that exists. Let me tell you what else doesn't exist in any of these, of these files. There are autopsy photos that are, that are always taken. And, and again, there's, there's medical examiner guidelines that, that are published, and, and now in, at least in the state of Florida, I'm sure they're uniform for everywhere else, and they say you, 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 need to have, you, you need to have photos. There are no photos. No, autop- no photos of the actual autopsy are in the Broward Medical Examiner's file in, in the case file of Adam Walsh. This was a dental identification only. Remember, there's no fingerprints there because it's only a head. There's no DNA because it's 1981. Um, the head surprisingly didn't look as bad as you might expect in, uh, uh, from being gone for two full weeks and out in the Florida heat of July and August. It didn't look bad at all. It, after three days, it should have looked really, really, really awful. And it didn't. It was still, you could tell the, the skin color. You could, there were certainly bad things on, on the remains, but you could, you could still say, oh, no, that's, that's a white child. And it's, you know, it's like, oh, I was expecting, expecting a lot worse. That was, that was odd for itself. Um, there's the, they got the dental chart for Adam Walsh from his dentist and a, uh, the lieutenant in, uh, of homicide was you now for Hollywood PD had brought it up to the uh, Indian River Medical Examiner, and he he's the one who did the positive ID from it. And he used, there was a filling in in Adam's records there. Adam's chart showed a filling on the cheek side of a of his last lower left molar. So, and the child that was found had a um, similar uh, filling in a similar spot, you know, a lower left molar, and it was on the cheek side. So that plus, you know, you, you might have thought that the Walshes would have been present at the Indian River Morgue to make a visual ID, but that didn't happen. They sent a family friend because the Walshes were in New York that day. 
they were doing Good Morning America. They were called sometime before sunrise and told that a child's child's remains had been had been found. And then the show producer and later the show host, David Hartman, for anyone who remembers that, um, said, we can get you on the first plane back to Florida. And John Walsh, speaking for himself and his wife, said, no, we want to do the show. You know, we'll, we'll, we, you know, it, that, that could be denial or whatever else. But they ended up sending a family friend to go and, and do the, who, who said he had seen Adam like a, a day or a couple days before his, before he disappeared. So the fam- so there's no, um, uh, there's a mention that the family friend did, made a positive ID, a visual ID. Um, that's that's there, but no statement or signature or anything like that. In John Walsh's book, Tears of Rage, in, published in 1997, um, he gives some small description and and shows that the family friend on the first site of the remains on the slab at the morgue did not actually recognize the child as Adam. It was only, he made the visual ID only after he asked the ME to lift the child's lips. And then he saw in, as Walsh writes, a small emerging tooth. And then he says, and then he knew. So we have, so the famous baseball picture of Adam He's where he's got a baseball bat and a red cap with a white C on it, and he's wearing a his baseball uni- baseball uniform shirt. Is really for T-ball because that's that's what they played in age six. And Adam's got a big smile, and it's really really cute. And when you look closely, you can see that Adam has neither of his top front teeth. He's six and a half, and that's age appropriate. So. This, the child that that was found and and identified positively as Adam has a has a tooth coming in on the top. You know, a small emerging tooth. Now the so there's two questions here. There's one is when was the picture taken precisely? And I I can answer that well but not perfectly. And two there was in, in the last seen alive description that is buried in the Hollywood police file, a really good one, where the uh, the police are uh, describing Adam to another police department. Uh, um, he has a left top front tooth <clears throat> that is partially grown in. So, at so his left tooth, according to that, has has erupted. That's going to be his left, no, left front tooth, or in dental parlance, his left, top left central incisor. So that's so. Now the question of the of how old is the picture? John Walsh wrote in his book that it had been taken um, a week before he disappeared. I found that it's maybe you probably have to add three weeks to that. Maybe it's four weeks or or something like that. It was a studio picture, so Walt may have gotten the picture a week before, but
but um, there was, there were, the studio photographer told me that back then there were about three weeks of production time from shooting to delivering. So it's it's a month before. Um, the police last seen alive description undoubtedly came, which came from his mother. No, his left top front tooth has has begun to erupt. But uh, pediatric and other dentists have told me, and as well as you know, parents of children of of, of that you know where their you know the top front teeth, uh, the baby teeth have fallen out, and how long does it t- does it take for the adult tooth to come in? That can take six to 12 months to actually fully come in. It's slow. Um, it is, if, if that is a, uh, if, if that tooth is a top left central incisor, then the, then the couple of days, the couple of days before when, when the, the tooth had just erupted a couple of days before, I found Adam's last best friend who last saw him maybe a week or two before, as he said, a week or two before he disappeared. And he still had, he still had neither top front tooth. So I think that that front tooth came in roughly a week or no, before he, before he, uh, before he disappeared. And then he's gone for two weeks. No, then they find the head. The medical examiner had said for the newspapers that Adam looked like he was dead for maybe all the time that he was, that he had been gone those two weeks. And um, the tooth is in too far. I have Hollywood police crime scene pictures that show a buck tooth. The, there are other pictures I have seen and had described for me where, the, where that tooth is in, in the words of a, a forensic anthropologist at University of Florida who took his own pictures for Hollywood PD as the uh, from this, the skull, the, 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 all the skin is cleaned. It's in almost all the way. That does not make sense. That's in too far for it to be Adam Walsh. And the, and the visual ID is based on that there's a new tooth, not that the child looked like Adam Walsh. Child is age appropriate. Now, the child is somewhere between six and seven and you know, eight, something like that. So it's, that's not very far off. And the child has a, has a filling on a lower left molar that's on the cheek side. So how rare is that? I make a point sometimes of, of asking, um, asking people, asking younger people, you know, oh, you know, do you have any cavities? No, where do you, know, where do you have cavities? Oh, I have like my molars, my, my lower molars. The, no, it is, it is a very common place for cavities. In fact, it's, it's where most of the cavities that kids get are on the lower molars. You'd be upper molars too, but, but the lower molars. So that in itself isn't really that good. Is it? Now, how about on the cheek side? Is that unusual? One forensic dentist who, I, who I've talked to said that 98% of all the fillings that he's done for kids on those you know, lower molars are on the cheek side. Now, a second forensic dentist said, well, not, not that many. It's really not as common as that. Okay, so this is what's called a presumptive identification, not a positive identification, which is what it was written down as. This is really kind of like a presumptive. 
But the problem is that if that top front tooth, if that if that is a central incisor, then that can't be Adam Walsh. So yeah, that's, it, that's, it, that's where I, I have no, I have photos and I have the explanations and the and and the little bit of description that comes from the the guy who did the identification who you know says that there's you no know, one tooth missing one 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 central incisor missing the other one is just in this is this is a slapdash identification and i'm telling you that there is a better a a uh, very likely chance the identification is wrong. In other words, it's not Adam Walsh. Mm-hmm. Did you follow uh, any of that? Yeah, uh, and there's two things here. The, well, number one, the police and the the uh, the well, the medical examiner, whatever you want to call it, the uh-huh. different people involved there. There seems to be a connection here, and it seems to be the connection is that they're trying to race their way through this thing without actually considering all the. Very facts. good. Excellent. It does seem that. And now the community was nuts while the kid was, when the kid was first reported missing and for the two weeks that everybody was searching for him. And then this was a nice, a nice kid from the suburbs, you know, who mom left at Sears, she said, for just a couple of minutes in the toy and the video game department. And, and that made every... Everybody in the community with the child, especially of similar age, just completely crazed. And, you know, we have a child abductor, you know, in our midst. And we haven't, you know, we don't have any clues to who it is. You know, are they still here? Are they going to grab, you know, my child next? Then they find a child's head, you know, in a canal 100-plus miles north. And and one of two things happened. Either, well, that's Adam. That's the way they, they, they wrote it up as. We found Adam Walsh. Adam Walsh found dead. Or it's a second child. And now we have, we don't know who that child is. We're still looking for Adam Walsh. And, and it would seem like there's some kind of serial something or other going on. And that makes a nuts situation. Remember Hollywood is no, especially then is it was a tourist town. This is July and August and people are starting to book their winter vacations. Hmm. So was, you you've just given us the motivation for why they are well possible motivation hmm. or speculation for hmm. for possible motivation. See, because I was going to ask you actually what's their motivation for rushing through this thing aside from trying to please the people who are involved, but you know, that all makes sense too. You want you want to settle the, the the I mean, you you want to have the the feeling that you're being protected by the police and and the the rest of the institutions down here. So maybe this guy will go away. It's sort of like, you know, the bombing in Paris. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe there just won't be another one. And see, now, when one of the things that I was obviously checking into was to see what their reaction was to your articles, the things that you had brought up, all the sources, all those things. And they all seem kind of brush it off. And, and you know, there's no, there's no validity to that. But there's never been any kind of, um, justifiable response, and that's where I'm 
I'm always like, okay, so have they tried to ever, and you don't have to name names, or you can name names, it's completely up to you. Have they tried to discredit you um, because of the fact that you're, well, frank, quite frankly, making them look bad, but they did that on their own? John Walsh, the, on, the only instance of that was John Walsh personally. John Walsh, when I put the story out at the end of 2006, and then it hit, and then it hit television, it was, it was Christmas, so it didn't hit until the beginning of the, the new year. And then um, initially he was interested because Walsh had pushed the state attorney to go get Dahmer interviewed in Milwaukee. And, and, they, and the police were not anxious to do that, but Walsh got that done. So there's a there's a transcript of an hour interview with with Dahmer in the file. So so Walsh had written a letter that said you know it's very possible that you know Dahmer who is a pedophile he used that word you know would want you no know, might have taken you no know, taken my son and you know there's two good witnesses there were only two at the time you know who who said they saw him so they're like go and investigate it so after so so. When my story first hits television, and then it quickly spreads to CNN you know, and, and and all the other places, um, he puts out a statement like, you know, the state attorney really needs to investigate this. And then a um, couple a couple short days later, it's you know, well the Hollywood police thoroughly investigated you no know, Mr. Harris's claims. And and found them totally you no know, unfounded, and then something like you know Mr. Harris should you no know, you know consider being more responsible in the future. And and that's the only it's the only instance of anybody going after me in 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 any kind of way. You know, otherwise they've largely just you no know, you no know, left me out of it. They and they certainly haven't challenged me on on any point. You know, when I listen to you, um, you bring up all these points, and they're great points, and not once have I I heard a definite from you. And see, I think that's telling. I haven't heard you say, well, you know, it was absolutely Dahmer. No, you're just throwing out speculation. But the problem is that they haven't thrown out much speculation with facts behind it on the other side. So I'm curious, from your side of things, and again, we're talking speculation. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you could throw out a percentage at this point as to how sure you are, number one, that it was Adam Walsh or not Adam Walsh, and number two, uh, that Dahmer may have been responsible for his murder or disappearance. I think it's um, I think it's overwhelming that that Dahmer is responsible for the kidnapping of Adam, and I and and for the longest time I said the murder of Adam, and now I back off on on that part, and. Um, the that that the identification of of Adam is is slapdash. That's that's really absolute. Um, that there that if there was ever a trial, which there has never been, uh, no, 34 years later, no, for the murder of Adam Walsh, the this the state would have a great deal of difficulty proving the first point of the. Of the case, which is that you no, know, somebody murdered Adam Walsh. Here is the proof that Adam Walsh was murdered. The identification of you can't, you don't have. No, they're missing. They're, they're no among the documents besides the besides the autopsy report. 
the uh, the dental chart that was used is missing from the three from the files of the three agencies that handled it. There were never any dental X-rays that were that are were in evidence or asked for. That would have been definitive. If you could, it could have seen that that filling was the same as the one that was done by Adams Dentist. That would have been definitive. You know, then forget it. it either, you know, or definitive that it wasn't. Um, there's there's no X-rays. Um, now all these things these things are essential materials that that are in every file need to be in every file especially when there's a dental identification you know and it and it's strictly that and then you can't you know you, how do you, you know how do you explain that they're not there and and apparently never were there there was no there there was a forensic dentist available in Indian River County he was never called there were forensic dentists in in um, uh, Dayton Broward counties, including the most famous one of all at the time, and, and still, and he was never called. So why did they? Why did no? Even after the initial slapdash ID, the guy who did the autopsy was a was a major league no uh, no medical examiner, and and he knew the guy who had. You know, he he had worked with that forensic dentist on the Ted Bundy case in 1979, which was the famous bite mark case. So they they knew each other's phone numbers. So um, nobody these no nobody is 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 consulted on this. Why? No, why are no why why are the autopsy photos gone? No, if they were ever taken, and how were they not taken? What what is the problem here? And and I and and I say that what answers that question is, given all the other evidence, is that the identification of the, of the child as Adam Walsh is overwhelmingly wrong. It's it's very unlikely. It may be Adam, but I don't think you can prove it. You know. Can you tell me what the official status of the case is down there? You yeah, it's may closed. Have kind of touched it's on closed. It. It's it is now the police closed it seven years ago, and um, uh, it's not you know it's closed. It's closed. No. Do they have no, an official no reason case. for it that? It, 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 maybe it doesn't matter anymore to you no know, whom to whomever, and you know I have you know this is this is not. Two months of research I did on this. This is this is I hate to say it. This is no fifteen years of stuff. No, there, this is years and years of following this and and collecting all the materials and then following following up the 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 players and continuing to ask for public records. And that was that was a struggle. And um, I prevailed in in almost all of my requests. <laughs> so uh, I tell you what, with all that being said, you know, you've given us so much information, but I know there's so much more that uh, hopefully I haven't dragged it all out of you. I do want, <laughs> you know, you to uh, definitely, you know, uh, let everybody know where they can get the additional information, 
uh, with the books, with the YouTube videos, which, yeah. you know, by the way, are spectacular. I really oh, enjoyed you. those. So, um, yeah, definitely great supplement to the books. And, and I think that, you know, for the people that have been listening to this, and I know there's quite a few, and, and there will be uh, quite a few on the replays, um, let them know. Let them know where they can go to find all these things. There's a, there's a, uh, there's a website that's called Amazon, and and that is that's that's the that's the first place I suppose to go. It's in the the books are called the Unsolved Murder of Adam Walsh. Again, my name is Arthur J Harris J A Y, and there's uh, there's a book one and a book two, and there's a uh, there's a combination of you can buy them both together at a at a slightly discounted price. There's a short single edition with the the compressed edition um, which has everything but it doesn't have anywhere of the detail of the of, of the full books and then there are my other true crime books that are that are there as well there are other murder stories where I get you know go on this path and and you know trying to understand what really happened and and get completely uh Obsessed or whatever, you know, in those stories, they're all fun too. Uh, they're they're available also at, at Google Play and Barnes Noble and Kobo for our Canadian friends and elsewhere, and uh, um, uh, and and they're in print as well. That and print is um, the easiest place to buy them. In print is is from Amazon. I definitely don't want to wrap this up without asking you the question: If oh. you know, if you had your say in the whole thing what would you like them to do at this point like right now today what would you like to see happen would you like to see the case reopen and them do an actual investigation without no i mean i'm not really that nuts i mean i i just don't think that they're they would ever ever consider doing a real investigation and and, and you know just you know tell them they'll prove to me that i'm full of it you know just prove Prove to my satisfaction and everyone else's that the information that I have that's, that's all from the public, descended from the public records, is wrong. Now, that, the, that, the, uh, that all those Dahmer witnesses who were not, you know, weren't especially talked to very well, or at least not returned to, now that they're, they're all, all six, seven, eight of them are... Um, no, not not worthy. You know, each of them, they're either lying or they're making stuff up or they're deluding themselves or whatever it is. And uh, and then no, I I got the state police, the Florida Department of Law Enforcement, last year to do do an investigation. And of the two medical examiners' offices, I said, no, here are the documents that are not present in this file. Would you no? Please attempt to confirm this for me, and they did, and they said, "Yep, you're right. They're not there." <laughs> so that's um, like okay. So I I have that, but um, there's um, there is I let let's let me just drop this one because this would take another hour and now hour and fifteen minutes if I went further in them. But but it's something that you can you can read about in the books. What happened in 2009 to get me to to call the medical examiner's office and say and ask for their file? 
was someone found me on Facebook and had read some of the stuff I'd had was was up by then on the internet from from you no know, media that I had done up to then about Jeff Dahmer and the blue van and and stuff and this person says I want to congratulate you on on that um, he was claiming to be Adam Walsh hmm so exactly so I'm like looking at this message and going, okay, what do I do with this? No, what? No, I really don't wish to be hoaxed. I don't No, It didn't. The letter didn't read like a hoax. And I decided quickly enough, all right, give me your phone number. I'll call you. And I did. And I ended up talking to them for five days at length. And like, and they were stomach churning days because he was, he was talking about torture by Jeff Dahmer, and as a six-year-old, and and the narrowest of escapes, and a lot of things that were not plausible, and then and at the end of that week, I said to myself, I'm going to prove that you are full of it. I'm going to go to the medical examiner's office, which the year before I had planned to do. And I'm going to look at the identification and prove that that was a good ID. And therefore, you can't be Adam Walsh. And guess what I found? I just told you. The ID was was really bad. Like, how did this person... He, he said, the ID is not going to be any good. Says, how did he know that? He wasn't in the case, no, in, in the official investigation of the case. How did he know that? And then I had to see if I could prove that he, this person, was is Adam Walsh. And I, and and I, as you say, I give you no know, less than 100% answers. I can't prove. There were a number of ways that I could, I could prove, but I wasn't able to prove. Like you no know, DNA is one thing, but there's there were problems in, in in matching DNA samples that were unanticipated. There were problems in matching fingerprints that were unanticipated. I did. I made those attempts. Um, but the two people who I matched him with on the phone and in person, one, as I mentioned before, was Adam's last, if not first, best friend who had, you know, seen him and 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 they were they were teammates on that t-ball team they were actually very close friends i put them together and then i put him together on the phone with the man who'd been Dahmer's roommate who had been tortured horrendously with the see if that with with the you know this hey see if this guy is making this stuff up or he's he's picked it up from reading you know you, you know your experience is the most remarkable one, you know, of being intimate with Dahmer in, a, in, in the worst sense. And, you know, and, and he came back and said, I can't tell you he's, he's Adam Walsh, but his story about being tortured by Dahmer is, is, is absolutely true. Says he knows all of these things that, that, that no one else knows. You no, know, and you couldn't know unless 
you had that sort of you know experience and lengthy experience with Dahmer and the the ticks and the things he'd say and and how he'd lurch at him and and how he changed he changed from Jekyll to Hyde and back to Jekyll and and all of these things in details. Now it was it was a you know this guy was was they were they both re traumatized each other in, in their conversations. The guy who was the best friend was this was not traumatic at all. Um, there were the and and the the instructions were this is not about how much you remember of Adam Walsh. This is whether this guy says he's Adam Walsh, no knows anything about you. And the stu- no, it's, it was thirty years earlier. But he but the descriptions of of this of the best friend were 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 right there. A lot of the things they did together were there and there were a couple of specifics that like, you know, again, there was no way to research this. There was nothing that best friend had never put on the internet to then uh, that he had been friends with Adam Walsh. So you couldn't research that. It, this this is just stuff that you would, like you and your friend when you were six years old would have known. That's it. And he, this guy knew it. Now there were lots of other things in the story that that just you now were were impossible to check or just sounded really screwy. Those two things were really strong, and and then if you, like you said, if you want, if I want something to be done in this case, it is for the police. Police actually did spend an hour with this man. Um, they didn't take a DNA sample. They didn't take his fingerprints. So they they never followed up with him. They they weren't they weren't nasty to him. They were they were pleasant. No, and they did nothing, which is pretty much what I expected. And that, and the he's tried to reach the Walsh family, and that has failed. Now the Walsh, nobody in the Walsh family has responded to him. And then he, kind of after five six years, no, it's not that he gave up. It's just that he he just stopped the process of trying. And no, I published. No, his story in length. It's in the the second book, and um, that's that's the really remarkable thing in in this. It's could this could Adam Walsh be alive? He's living under a different name for sure, different, completely different family. And it, does this what is the what what was already a totally weird story? Does this? No, knock it out of the park even further. That it's that it's that crazy. So I've been making this attempt to see whether how far could I get in proving or proving that he is or proving that he isn't. And I have no. For all this time, I've been on the. I really think he is, but I can't say any. I can't be any more definitive than that. I have to tell you, you this was I guess, more than you thought. Well, it was an amazing way to to end off this thing. I'm telling you, and you were concerned that you wouldn't be able to go an hour and a half. That was the no, 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 no. I was, concerned, <laughs> I was concerned that I wouldn't be able to stop at an hour and a half. 
Ah, well, you know what? I can totally understand that because I can tell you could fill up hours and hours with this. Everybody would just be enthralled. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, literally, it it was completely awesome. If there's anything else you want to throw out before you head out, go for it. If not, you know, uh, seriously, it it was my pleasure to to have you on. You're welcome. No, no, it's it's fun. It's fun having a great conversation with somebody, and and um, you know, it it was. This is uh, of all the the true crimes that I've done. This was the, this was the peak. This is, and I'm still working on it. There's still more. You can't get to the bottom of these things. There is no actual bottom. You can keep digging, but um, this is this is still one that that doesn't have a good resolution because nobody. No, this is no, no. This is this is not. This is not accepted. I'm still fighting for, to have this information accepted for what it is. Or again, tell me that tell me that the whole thing. I'm completely full of it, and you know all the evidence that I got from the public record and, and all and everything that people told me is all you know adds up to nothing at all. You know, tell me that. But nobody has. You know, they'll dismiss it, but they won't. But no, but nobody is able to go. You know any piece at all and say that's that piece isn't true no this is flawed no no one no and and i challenge anybody please don't tell me show me where i'm wrong i'm, I'm more, yeah. more than willing to hear that and 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 if i and if i agree with you then we'll say okay well you know what you know i'm wrong for this reason and and you're right and and then i'll either rewrite it or or do a stuff or um whatever i'm done no this is no, this has been you know, years and years of this case kept changing on me, and it and it very well may be changing again. I no, oh, I I consider and, and actually hope. Fight facts with facts is what I, I guess it sounds like what you're looking for. <laughs> so, so and I thought but, you wanted to talk more about Dahmer, so I gave you all that Dahmer stuff. Well, and it was great, and but there was so much more, and and. You know, one of these days, God, you know, and I don't know when, but at some point, you know, I'll probably bug you again and say, you know what, we've got some more to touch on, and it'll be outside the Dahmer conversation. So, um, yeah, uh, you just keep doing what you're doing, and I think anybody that was listening is going to be really paying attention to what you're doing. So, you okay. know, again, thank you so much. You're welcome. Okay, I hope you got a, get a great show out of this, and uh, and please stay in touch, and, uh, and uh, no. All that, and it, it's, it's 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 fun. It's fun talking to you, and you do you you do a lovely show. Well, you enjoy the Florida weather, and we'll talk soon. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. All right, buddy. Okay. okay. Bye bye. And that was Art. You know, that's what I like to call him. You can call him Arthur J. Harris. You can call him all sorts of things, whatever you want. I don't call him full of shit. I call him completely credible. Whether he's right or wrong, and that's the thing. Prove him wrong. If he's not right, just like when we had Jeff Mudgett on talking about H.H. Holmes and connection to Jack the Ripper, if he's wrong, prove him wrong. I'm not saying that, you know, with 100% uncertainty, any of that's true or any of it's not true. That's the thing. That's why we have speculation, because if you don't have a fact, you have opinion. And even then, you know, he still hasn't said 100%, because how does he know? He wasn't there, but he has things that say that these other people are bullshit, and, well, that seems pretty obvious at this point. So I'm just curious. Uh, 
uh, I wonder if Vic's around anywhere. Um, I, I think he might be dead because uh, Vic, you know, apparently he was drinking heavily last night and uh, he has disappeared off the face of the earth. However, for those that are listening, and I know there are a few of you, uh, especially the ones that know me, um, I found an odd connection about Dahmer, okay? So I was looking through his timeline, again, provided to us by the... Uh, Department of Psychology, our friends at Radford University in Radford, Virginia. Um, <clears throat> so Jeffrey Dahmer, um, he uh, he's found guilty for 15 counts of murder and sentenced to 941 years in jail. Um, and I was looking at the date when he was actually sentenced. He was sentenced on February 15, 1992. So literally on my 10th birthday, um, Dahmer was sentenced to well, basically to death. I realize it wasn't the death penalty, but you're in jail for 941 years, and technically it's a death penalty. And the other thing that I noticed, I always like to look at dates, and to me that's really important, but uh, November 28, 1994 is actually when Dahmer was uh, assaulted and murdered in jail by uh, uh, Christopher Scarver, and I remember that really well. Um, didn't know anything about him. Uh, at the time, I was like, well, you know, he got what he deserved. And I can't say that I have changed my opinion on that, but uh, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, I, I don't I think they've kind of cut off the whole interviews with, with these guys type type of thing. But, you know, I, I'm always fascinated by what they would have had to say. And, you know, if they're not getting killed by the death penalty, they get killed in, in prison. Um, and, and there's a lot surrounding that too, by the way. It's just unfortunate, but at the same time, uh, again, I mean, kind of had it coming. Let's be honest. So we're we're talking uh, almost almost 21 years ago. It would be uh, 21 years ago in five days. So 21 year anniversary of his death is coming up. Um, I did not set it up that way on purpose. Vic, do I hear you yet? Nope. Apparently not. John, are you on the line? I know I've got people calling in, but I think Vix put you all on mute, and then he died. So, oh, Jer, is that you? Yeah, you man, talk. what's up? Good. Okay, so I've got somebody who can talk on the line. <laughs> That's good. So, all right, you're a little bit older than me, just by a couple of years, um, and so you have a little bit more perspective as far as growing up um uh, with the Dahmer stories on the news, like I said earlier, he was actually convicted on my birthday. So talk a little bit about Dahmer. And you you have a strong, I don't want to say love for Dahmer, but you know exactly what I mean by what I'm asking you. Yeah, I mean, I think Dahmer is really where the fascination uh, with serial killer culture started for me. I think I was 11 Um when I was watching the, you know, the blue barrels and the cardboard boxes and the freezers being wheeled out of the apartment. And, uh, you know, I don't know, it just kind of, uh, you know, I guess, you know, I don't exactly remember because I was 11, but, you know, it was just kind of one of those things, I guess, that caught my eye. And I was like, you know, what's what's going on here? And then to hear the story unfold and, you know, again later in life learn about you know how he had pretty much a normal upbringing uh you know uh i I know there was some uh you know trouble with his parents and they ended up getting divorced but he had a decently normal upbringing that his parents had talked about and you know said that they never really saw it coming you know except of course for the 
you know, the time when his uh, dad almost found the genitals and skull of one of his victims uh, there. But uh, I don't know. I guess Dahmer's the original uh, catalyst for me as far as uh, this strange obsession that we share. You know, and I always tell you that uh, that aside from the killer clown thing for John Wayne Gacy, that the thing that's always going to be a lasting image for him is those bodies being pulled out from the excavation where they're getting them from underneath his house. And, you know, like you were talking about with Dahmer, that's another lasting image where they're pulling out those body parts and stuff from from his apartment there and his freezer and his refrigerator. And it's just, you know, something that people aren't going to forget. And, and um, you know, and, and this is a guy, you know, there may be cannibals, and there were cannibals since then. There were cannibals before that, but I don't know that there's ever been a more notorious cannibal than Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah, no, I would agree with that 100%. And, uh, you know, uh, just the whole story of Jeffrey Dahmer and, and the great story that Art shared uh, connecting or, you know, connecting to Adam Walsh is just another layer to that story that, uh, you know, like you said, I completely agree with that. If you don't believe it or if you think it's not credible, prove me wrong. But, uh, you know, he sounded like anything but a quack uh, on the show tonight. He sounded like he knew his shit. And, you know, to piggyback on that, Jer, a thought that I had here, it's kind of interesting that these murders, you know, 16 of them, and they're all in the same location, and yet this is a guy who lived in all sorts of places. Kind of convenient, don't you think? You know what I mean? And it is also yeah. convenient that he would kind of forget his time in Florida, basically, that he he didn't have a whole lot to say about his time in Florida. And, you know, and also that connection to Germany while he was in the Army, that, you know, there were mutilated bodies popping up there. Just kind of interesting is all I'm saying. You know, there's a lot of weird connections that people come up with uh, outside of Dahmer. So why is it outside the realm of belief that, you know, Dahmer could be doing things outside of Milwaukee? Yeah, I don't think it is at all, and if you've, you know, watched interviews and learned about things and, uh, you know, about his history, like, uh, you know, I just, I know, I think we all watched the the last interview thing on YouTube with him uh, today in preparation for this, and, uh, you know, he talks about uh, the, um, you know, being 18 and picking up his first hitchhiker and that kind of thing, but... uh, you know, I I guess if I want to play devil's advocate, and, you know, it's certainly not discrediting anything that Art said, but uh, Dahmer was pretty open and pretty honest about what he had done. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure if that fits the timeline for Adam Walsh or not. Uh, I, I don't know if he did bring this up, I, and this is a conversation I had with him before we actually talked tonight. And I just want to say Florida has the de- had the death penalty. Look at, you know, um, look at Bundy. Where was he executed? Florida. And so that would be a reason why he would maybe not be honest about things down there. So I, I could yeah. see I could see a reasoning for that. So Possibly, yeah. Well, I'm going to let you continue, Travis, and I'll be jumping back on in a minute. I'm going to jump on here and man the TNV horror thing and see if we can get anybody else who wants to get on here and comment about it. Yeah, so Jer is uh, jumping to producer mode since Vic has died and fell off the face of the earth. Um, while Jer is doing that, if anybody is on the line and wants to speak, as soon as Jer, as soon as you hear that thing that says unmuted, you're more than welcome to chime in here. Because I know, you know, I hate to call it this, but Dahmer had a lot of fans. 
So, uh, you know, one of the things that that Art talked about was that Dahmer went to Christianity. It kind of reminds me of Berkowitz, but I also think it's kind of bullshit, too. John, are you online, sir? Oh, I'm here? Yes, you are. What's up, man? Hey, what's going on? So, um, this is my friend John, and I brought him in for a very specific reason. He's even older than Jer and me, which I won't expose your age, but... um, (laughs) Well, you know what? I'll let you tell the story. I, you know, you have a Jeffrey Dahmer story, and it's a humorous story, and it's one that, as long as I've known you, I've known this story. So I want to hear it from the horse's mouth. Well, the horse's ass in this case, but okay. Well, I'll tell you what happened. Back in high school, actually, I got two stories. One's slightly shorter. Okay, is that cool? Mm-hmm. Go for it. <laughs> All right. Well, back in high school, um, you know, that was around the time uh, Jeffrey Dahmer got discovered and everybody in the whole country was like, what the hell is going on? This guy's eating people and he works at a chocolate factory. Anyway, of course, he went to jail. You know, the rest of the story got beaten to death in jail, you know, right? Mm-hmm. Well, we had a, a morning um, um, in, in our homeroom, we had a morning news report okay. and it came on and it said, Jeffrey Dahmer died. Because I'm a jerk, just for the pure fact that I'm a jerk. I was in the back of the class when that came on, and I was going, (laughs) (laughs) just crying about it. People were looking at me. And even I remember this one kid at lunch was like, he was legitimately crying about it. (laughs) Definitely, definitely. But I'm sure that's not the story you're talking about. No, no, you know the story. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, you know, being a victim of the Kentucky uh, school system back in the day, they switched off from testing, and they wanted us to do portfolios, write papers and stuff. Well, for my English class, because, you know, I was just sick of the whole doggone thing, teacher gave us an assignment, and then the assignment was, write about your hero. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, now, I can't, I can't uh, remember the paper verbatim, but I'll give you the general topic of it. It was my hero, Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> and basically, I wrote how great he was and how I was going to open up a restaurant named Jeffrey's in his name, in his honor. <laughs> and I didn't say I was going to serve human flesh or anything. I just left that to the imagination. So anyway, poor, I, I guess I can't really mention names here. So I, I guess my poor English teacher, I'll say, she was a sweetheart of a woman, loved her to death. She got this, and I immediately got called to the counselor's office within the week. And, and the counselor, I guess I can't mention him by name, he was an assistant football coach. And he was like, now, Jeffrey Dahmer's real. This is a serious matter. And I was sitting in here, I was like, you called me in there for this? <laughs> oh, dude, I'm being facetious, man. And he's like, oh, no. All right, all right. And then uh, I was like, all right, I'll tell you what, I'll rewrite the paper. I guess I, I see that my English teacher is a little concerned about that, even though I thought it was sarcasm, obviously dripping all over the artwork of what I did. Did not exactly get exposed all over the place. So, yeah, I got called the guy's counselor's office real quick on that one. <laughs> so, John, I have a connection. You know, earlier, I don't know if you heard it, but I was uh, – I had a connection on dates here. On my birthday, he was actually convicted ten years when I was ten years old. Okay, well, right. on your birthday in 1992, so you mm-hmm. would have been what, fifteen? 
1992. Yeah, that's about right. All right. So Don was changed his... Age, asshole. Go ahead. Sorry. It's all right. I don't have a problem with it. You'll just have to deal with it. Dahmer well, changes his that. plea. His, uh, he changed his plea from innocent to guilt. Or in, or let's try that again. Dahmer changes his plea from innocent to guilty but insane. So basically, Dahmer copped a, a guilt, a guilty but by reason of insanity plea uh, when you were 15 years old on your birthday. So we had some Dahmer connections on our birthdays here. Uh, Jerry, <laughs> when's your birthday? July 14. You know what? There were a lot of things in July, Jer. I don't know if you know this or not, but the closest one was actually July 15th, 1991. He uh, he, he had some he had some sex with Oliver Lacey and then, well, did his usual drug, murdered, and dismembered. The heart and head are placed in Dahmer's refrigerator, which, by the way, guys, I don't know if you know this or not, it was a very immaculate refrigerator. It was very clean. So, you know, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but, well, Jer wouldn't know this, but John claims to be like a germaphobe, so he would be the type to have uh, heads in his refrigerator and a really clean refrigerator, but it also goes the other way because he's not exactly clean. So it's kind of a weird thing, right, John? Yeah, you got a human head in there, you know? But you, uh, I'm like... Uh, he probably have lice in that head. I don't know. Did he, did he take the time to clean his his meal, or you know, was it one of those things he just sat it in there and like? Most of, most of these heads were stripped of flesh, so I gotta assume most of them didn't even have hair or anything else. I wonder if he uh, had like the box of baking soda in the refrigerator. Like, he did. <laughs> he he actually did. <laughs> that is terrible. I mean, what's going to get? I mean, he's worried that the smell of head is going to get into his. Uh, I don't know, a souffle or something? Whatever you keep in the, what, what would he keep in his refrigerator? What goes with head? Well, well I can head. give you an answer. I can give you an answer to that, Steve, because I pay close attention to the things I watch and the things I read. He had A1 right. sauce. He had ketchup and mustard in the door. He just had regular condiments in the door. And he had baking soda in that refrigerator. And the reason why is because neighbors and all sorts of people, yeah. and this is a, a Gacy connection, would complain about how horrible his apartment smelled. So there you go. <laughs> Put a little ketchup and mustard on a human head sandwich, you know, a little oh, yeah. lettuce, no lettuce tomato, you know. Have some I'm, a a guy, I'm a Heinz 57 guy, though. I'm a Heinz 57 guy, though, so I wouldn't have the A1. Fair enough, fair enough. Just to, just to clear it up, I wouldn't be eating it on a head, though. I'm not that kind of, you know. Uh, you just kind of almost admitted it there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> he likes head, just not that kind. Yeah, hey, but so did Jeffrey Dahmer, as a matter of fact. He liked to, uh, whenever he would kill these victims, he would generally perform oral sex on them after they were dead. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, in most cases, you hear about these guys with necrophilia, and, uh, you know, they're fucking the corpse or they're fucking its head. Edmund Kemper, I'm looking at you. But in Dahmer's case, um, no, he was going down on them. But he, I guess the rigor mortis is set in. He wanted to he, he wanted to do it when they were half alive, but that just never worked out for him. He never they, could turn him into the zombie he was looking I for. Tried. You know, um, John, since you're a big part of the gay community and, and oh, you know the steward of <laughs> 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 Okay. Sorry, I had to do that. But uh, uh-huh. you know, uh, I, I will tell you this, you know, Dahmer was was into the gay sex, but he wasn't into being the bottom, apparently. He did not want to uh, take an ass pounding. He wanted to give out those ass poundings. 
I bet you that's that got to jail, did Factoid for you all. You would have said. Well, you know, maybe, maybe not, though, because, you know, the thing about him was uh, you'd think he'd be a guy that would never be put with general population. There is a theory going around, and probably a very credible theory, to be honest with you, that, that there was collusion among the guards there to kill Dahmer. Um, not to kill Dahmer, but to have him killed. They put him in an area where they knew he was going to die. And this is a guy, Dahmer, once upon a time, said that he was going to kill, you know, he wants to kill a thousand uh African-American, I don't know exactly what he said, but I can probably assume what racial slur he used that day. Um, mm. And, you know, you put him with guys like convicted murderer. Um, uh, I think this guy was a child murderer. That, uh, I don't know. He's convicted murderer, uh, African-American murderer, Christopher Scarver. You put this guy in there, and he killed Dahmer with the same weapon that Dahmer killed his first victim with, and it was a, a dumbbell. So kind of a interesting way to go out there considering. But I don't know, man. It just seems like a setup to me. I mean, like they put him in the situation, not that they had killed him, but they put him in the situation to be murdered, which for some reason or another, Jerry Sandusky still around. And I would like to see that son of a bitch get murdered in the worst way. You ain't the only one. And, and, and it still brings pride to my heart every time when I hear, I, I, I don't know if you know the story about this, when they played Pink Floyd The Wall on the radio. Mm-hmm. Did you know the story <laughs> about that? I do, but I'll let you tell it for the people who don't know it. Oh, my God. When he first got into jail, all the prisoners started singing, We don't need no education. And then when it got to the part of where, where, where they said, Hey, teacher, leave those kids alone. They yelled it, and every time I hear that on the radio, I'm thinking about him just getting ass raped by somebody and getting beaten, to, possibly beaten to death one day. It just makes me grin. I think there's a good possibility that he's probably not in general population, though. So he's probably not getting that. And the problem is, though, you know, the reason why these guys don't get put in general population isn't so much that they don't want to see the bad things happen to them because they don't give a shit at that point. But it's more of a situation where if you're a prison and you put somebody in a general population, if they have a family, family, which Sandusky does, they will sue the shit out of them if something happens to them, even though they're, you know, fuck them because they deserve it. But it, it is what it is. By the way, I hear some laughing back there. Is anybody else on the line that wants to talk, feel free, chime in. I believe you're all unmuted now. Anybody that wants to talk about Dahmer. I'm unmuted. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Hi. <laughs> Introduce yourself. Hey. Okay, my name is Alyssa. Alyssa um, from yeah, Ohio. Ohio. Yes, <laughs> ironically. but No, I wanted to say something actually earlier about the whole connection with the dates and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually born like almost about two weeks after he got caught. Wow. You're a youngin'. Yeah. Yeah, I'm young. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you know, uh, Dahmer did live in Ohio for a while. Just a little I know. connection I there actually, for you. I never. I I've I've always lived in Southern Ohio, and he lived in Northern Ohio. So that kind of, you know, I was the one to drive by his house, though, so it's only like three hours away. So. Uh, we were we were going to get uh, a female on because I wanted to ask her this question, but I'm going to ask you, Alyssa, because. Th- this is the first time I think that you've gotten to listen live. Okay, so um, mm-hmm. 
by and large, okay, like I get the connection with Bundy and females, okay? He's the lady killer. Bundy was a good-looking guy, whatever. Okay, I totally yeah. understand, you know, why mm-hmm. women were fascinated by Bundy. It makes sense. What is it with right. Dahmer? Can, can you tell me from your perspective what it, what it is about Dahmer? <laughs> okay. Um, first of all, well, I'm not going to lie. If I think somebody is attractive, he's an attractive man. I think mm-hmm. that probably is what sets people first. Like, oh, hey, he looks good. And then they you think, oh, this, this, and that. I think some of it is the fact that I feel like a lot of the things in the case was pulled out to bring more sympathy towards him because of what he experienced in his life. Um, so they're like, oh, well, he was this, or, you know, he was gay. And then I think sometimes women feel like a motherly connection, like, if only I could have been his friend, or, mm-hmm. you know, like, I don't know, just somebody there <laughs> to be with him. And you know how, like, women are always like, oh, I want a, I want a gay friend, you know, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's interesting to me because, okay, when women think of Gacy, every woman I've ever talked to is just flat-out repulsed by him. But with Dahmer, you don't get that. But you did share the part about him being attractive, although I would have to say the uh, mugshot where he's got the, the perv stash, I, I, would, I would assume you probably don't think that was very attractive. That's <laughs> thing, I, I credit that to just, like, the time period. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't know what that's about, but. Yeah. So okay, you 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 were born right around the time he was, you know, um, caught and everything. So you know, mm-hmm. what the hell gets you into Dahmer later on? I know you're into serial killers. I know you're into that subject. Jerry, um, John, and I all kind of lived through it, or at least on some level. Is it something you just kind of maybe saw a movie, saw a documentary? Well, honestly, what really got me into serial killers, which I got into it pretty young because people are like. How are you that young? But I think we we're all kind of like that. Um, mm-hmm. I was probably like 13, and I seen a documentary on Ed Gein, and I was like, okay, I'm thoroughly kind of freaked out, you know. But then <laughs> it slowly became like, okay, this is an interesting thing. Like I'm interested in it, but I was kind of like nervous to be like, well, I'm interested in this, this, and that. But I had a friend that was like, look, I got a big serial killer encyclopedia book, and I was like, cool. So. You know, we went through that whole thing. We rented movies and stuff, and I found him in one of the books, and I was thinking, his name sounds really familiar. I've definitely heard of him before, you know, since it was kind of, you know, he was right around when I was born. I feel like I would, you know, hear more about him. And then I started reading it more, and I was like, you know, he's really interesting. So out of the few movies we rented, um, the movie Dahmer was one of them. And I think that's really when I started getting into it. So, okay. So now that we have everybody on the line or, or the people I do have on the line, Jer, John, and Alyssa, I'm going to ask you all. Okay, so 16 is what we know as the confirmed victims for uh, Dahmer. All right, I'll start with you, Alyssa. We'll go ladies first. Uh, do you think okay. that's accurate or do you think there's more? Okay, first of all, I, I actually thought it was 17. But I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, See, when I look when I look at the Radford University list well, here, they have 16 victims. 17 may be right though. Yeah. Well, I th- I thought it was 17. Um, well, after listening to everything, which I kind of already knew some of the stuff that Arthur was talking about, because mm-hmm. I already lo- looked into it. Um, 
Whether I think that he did that, I'm not completely sure. There's a lot of convincing evidence, but I really don't know. And then I also think that, yes, there's a possibility he may have done something well in Germany, too. But I don't think women was part of it. I think that's a little stretch, to be honest. The child thing, not as much of a stretch. But I just really don't ever think he was interested enough. I don't think he even paid attention to women at all, really. Mm-hmm. So, so gun to the head. All right, throw out a number. We think seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty. Um, I could see like twenty, maybe That's a few I in think. Germany. I think there was like you know four, maybe mm-hmm. actual. I think he said confirmed. Germany, dude was so. a liar. There had to be there had to be more than what he said. That's my thing. Right, I know. Well, no, what gets trust me these is, guys. yeah, I know, I I know that, and it, it's what gets me is, you know, he all of a sudden was like, okay, so you know, everybody said, okay, well, he was a liar. He lied about this his whole life, or lied, you know, to his parents and everybody else all the time about even small things, you know. Well. That's what gets me, like, okay, so now all of a sudden he wants to tell everybody everything. I mean, it could happen, but I just that is that does seem a little fishy to me also. And, you know, his reasoning, and I don't, again, I don't know if he had anything to do with Adam Walsh or anybody else in Florida. Yeah. But he did have reason to cover that up. If, if they have the death penalty in Florida, why would you tell people you did something down there if you want to avoid the death penalty, which it seemed like he didn't want the death penalty, so... Just saying. Um, John, what do you yeah, think? Well, What's I'm your gonna... number? Go ahead. I'll go ahead and listen. What? Oh, I thought you had something to say. I didn't want to oh. No, the only, the only thing I was going to say was um, about the death penalty. Like I said, he would have actually, and I'm not saying that he's not above lying, obviously, but he would have had to be, like, totally flat-out lying because he had said, you know, oh, well, I do want death. And apparently before he died, he said, you know, I don't even care, like, kill me or something. So I don't know how true that is, though. (laughs) Well, Johnny Boy, you're up to bat. What do you think? Thinking about the whole thing, and I know you said 16, 17, I don't think it's going to be much more. And the only reason I don't think it's going to be much more, you know, he's playing around doing the experiments and doing that. I'm thinking at some point he really took some time. He's like, wait a minute, I almost got this. I got this perfect victim. He took some time with it. And then, you know, it either went, you know, of course it went the wrong way. You were doing like backyard science, you know, I mean, of course. So Mm -hmm. I think maybe at the most there's at least four more. I'm going to say 21. That's the number I stick with, and that and that's and that's and it's, you know I'm doing that because of the fact that I think he took some time. I mean, if he just went right to just like kill him, grill him, fuck him, eat him, you know, I would say there would be a bigger number. But no, he seems like he was very, you know, he took time with stuff. Before I get Jared's opinion on that, I do I do want to agree with what you're saying there. And when he talks about these victims, he acted like he loved these people. It was really weird. Like it wasn't one of these things where he hated them and had no remorse for them, like a like a Gacy or a Bundy. He he seemed like he loved these. It was 
bizarre. Um, but Jerry, you're up. Yeah, the uh, you know he said a couple of times in different interviews that his objective was never to kill these people. You know, there was the the, the living zombie thing that he admitted to. Uh, you know, which as we said earlier, never quite worked out for him. They always died on him. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, I gotta think with the uh, you know. I gotta think there's at least five more out there. Um, Chuck also writes in and says he's thinking around 20 to 25. So that's kind of, you know, I'm around like maybe 20, 22. Yeah, I figure it's got to be at least 20, but I, I don't know, man. It, it, see, this is the only reason I, I'm all for the death penalty because fuck them. But at the same time, it's like this is the only reason I want to keep them around because I find them so fascinating. But at the same time, they really don't need to be breathing my air. But they got to be one way or another. Yeah. We got to study these guys, though, to, like, catch other guys like them. I mean, there's always going to be a change of MO, though, you know? We have an interesting debate there because, you know, they say they tried to work with Bundy to catch Ridgeway, but he didn't tell them shit that they, didn't, that they needed. Alyssa, I know you're even more into the serial killers than maybe any of us. What do you think? Um, I believe that, I don't know, like, it is interesting to study them as far as that goes. Um, I wouldn't get into the whole big spiel about the fact that I'm not saying that they don't deserve certain things, you know, mm-hmm. karma is karma, but I am not personally, you know, in favor of the death penalty, but I have my own reasons. But, you know, I, I don't know. Like, I heard that with uh, Ted Bundy, that he actually did give them supposed good information. But once again, I don't know how true that is either. So, Yeah, and the truth is we probably won't ever know. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I, think, I, think, I think you're going to run into a problem where you try to get serial killers help with catching other serial killers where they're just going to screw with you for the most part because, you know, it's fun for them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on top of that, Bundy yeah. was just trying to stave off the execution anyway. Yeah. And, I mean, you're going to bring some photos in there and show them to them. And, I mean, that's like Christmas Day for them. I wouldn't even well, have given particular cases. What I would do is I'd be like, all right, let's talk, let me hear about yourself. You know, talk about them. And I know they're going to love that. You know, well, yeah, it's real killers, you know. Yeah, there's definitely the narcissism there with every serial killer. So, you're, yeah, you're right about that. That's how it is. you got to feed an ego. Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, that's all they really want in most cases. And, then and I can't believe we did it. We did a show on serial killers, and somehow or another, Vic died on the show. How crazy is that? <laughs> Hopefully, he's not being feasted upon right now by uh, some cannibal. But I, I assume that he got himself too drunk last night, passed out today, and then he'll be whining about it to us in the morning. What do you think, Jerry? Definitely. I'd be upset. <laughs> I think that's his fault. It's okay. For, you know, the sad thing is, Vic's second favorite serial killer behind Bundy, and anybody that doesn't believe it, you can watch our top five on YouTube, is Jeffrey Dahmer. And, damn, he missed half the show. Uh, hopefully he goes back and listens to it in the archives. But, that being said, everyone on the line, whoever wants to uh, throw anything out for anybody to tweet them and tell them what an asshole they are or a sick person, because, you know, I enjoy that type of response from people. If you have any kind of Twitter, 
Facebook that you do want to throw out if you don't, Alyssa, you know, because you know how perverts are out there like John and Jared. Um, <laughs> you can throw it out. If, if not, then I'm sure we'll hit you up on the other side. Uh, um, just my group. Well, I actually have two groups on Facebook. Serial Killers Unhinged, isn't that one? Yes. Yes. The other one is actually Jeffrey Dahmer, Monster Man. So, there you go. Well, what the hell? I'm not even part of that. I need to join that group. Yes, you are. I think you are. Am I? I don't know. I, don't I drink know. too much. He lost count. Well, good. You can go tell them that you're a part of the discussion tonight. So, you know, hook them in. Okay. All right, Alyssa. You were awesome. Thank you for coming on. I, I'm glad you called. I'm glad you were off to be able to actually talk to us. I know. I was excited. I was like, this was meant for me. <laughs> it was fake. So, <laughs> all right, we'll we'll talk to you soon. Uh, oh, by the way, you know what? Hopefully, people that did tune in, I do want to throw this out for everybody. You know, we do the serial killer shows once a month, and it you know last month it wasn't maybe so much a serial killer show as it was a real life monster. We kind of take it in another direction um, when we talk next month, and Jared already knows about it, but other people are going to find out right now. We're talking about the Lawson family murder on Monday, December 21st. And if anybody does not know what this is about, Google it. But basically, it's a Christmas week episode. This happened on Christmas in Germantown, North Carolina, uh, or Germantown. Uh, Jared, that's your area. On Christmas 1929, Charlie Lawson murdered his wife and six of his seven children. And, well... That's all I need to say, because there's going to be a lot more to it, and I'm going to have an expert on to talk about this. But, um, yeah, that's the subject of our next show. I had to do it in the Christmas theme, and, well, there you go. So if you're disturbed by it, well, I did my job. All right. Johnny, I know you have a Twitter, even if you don't ever use it. (laughs) Well, I got Twitter. Yep, that's my Twitter handle. I can't talk. I got Twitter. I G O T T W I D D A. I got Twitter. <laughs> there you go. And he's proud of Yeah, I was told to get Twitter, so I got Twitter. There you go. And, and Jer, what, what is yours? At the one and only Jer? That's right, with the number one. And uh, Jer Poke on Facebook. And I uh, just joined Alyssa's group, so please accept that. <laughs> what was the name of Alyssa's group again? Oh. It's uh, Jer, J-E-R, Polk, P-O-L-K. Further per- proving people perv on Facebook. Good job. Yep. Sorry to interrupt. Oh, oh sorry. Who, who's jumping in, Jen? <laughs> um, hey, this is Jen. Um, I was actually asking what was the listen group again on oh, Facebook? Yeah. She's in two. Serial, killer, uh, un- serial Killers Unhinged. And awesome. Jeffrey Dahmer, what's the Monster what's the name of it? Monster Man. It's there like dot 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 Monster Man. Yeah. Okay, cool beans. I will totally look those up. Awesome. Jen was a fly in the wall for the whole show. Good for her. <laughs> well, I I came in like halfway through, so I didn't want to be a rude asshole it. and like jump in. So. <laughs> I killed this. All right. All right. <laughs> That's what we do here. So. All right, uh, last thing, you can follow me at PhenomenalTLD on Twitter. If I'm drunk, when I'm drunk, usually I'm offending people on there. All the um, Travis and Vic stuff, just go to TravisVicHorror.wordpress.com. It's all on there. But next week we're going to be doing a Gunner Hanson tribute. 
everybody that joined us, including you, Jen, even if it was for about two seconds, <laughs> at no, least it was on like the air. For an hour. <laughs> I know, but like literally, like we got to hear from you for just a few seconds. But it's kind of <laughs> like you you made us wait in suspense for it. So I guess you were like the main event. Huh? No, not at all. I just was nervous and I didn't want to <laughs> jump in. Seamus, <laughs> she cashed in the suitcase, briefcase. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, everybody, thank you again, and you know we'll be back next week later on. Everybody, Vic, I hope you're not dead. Let's check on Vic. Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.